On the morning of Sunday, April 14, 1935, residents of the Great Plains woke up to an unexpectedly beautiful, mild spring day. It had been a difficult couple of years in the area around southeastern Colorado, southwestern Kansas, and the Texas and Oklahoma panhandles. As if the economic hardship of the Great Depression wasn't enough, record-setting droughts in 1934 had driven local temperatures above 100 degrees Fahrenheit for weeks at a time, parching the heavily plowed soil and turning it to fine, black dust. But on that April Sunday, the sun was out, the air was calm, and the temperature was just right. People came outside to do long-delayed work, enjoy each other's company, and go to church. Neighbors smiled at one another. For the first time in a long time, it felt like things were going to be okay. And then the sky turned black. Pushed southward by a massive cold front, a thick, black cloud of dust, hundreds of miles wide and thousands of feet high, swept down over the plains, completely blocking out the sun. Temperatures dropped more than 30 degrees in just a few hours, as high winds screamed around hastily barricaded doors and windows. Huddled together in pitch-black cars, basements, and public buildings, People held each other close, and wondered whether the world was coming to an end. On this day, which came to be known as Black Sunday, more than 300,000 tons of topsoil were whipped into the air by the raging wind. The dust settled in drifts that buried cars and houses. Some of it traveled as far as Washington, D.C., frightening politicians who until that point hadn't understood the impact of the growing Dust Bowl crisis on the Great Plains. The storm started a refugee crisis that carried thousands of Great Plains residents away from their homes to seek new lives on the West Coast. It prompted massive changes in federal policies around agriculture, and it revealed to a shocked nation how unstable the ground beneath our feet can be. I'm Miles McDonough, and you're listening to The Free Ranger. Welcome to The Free Ranger, a podcast about telling the stories that matter. On this podcast, we'll be learning about storytelling from the people who turn important issues into stories. The writers, filmmakers, marketers, and other professionals who weave together the facts to create compelling narratives that make a difference. In this, our inaugural season, we'll be looking at stories of stewardship, how people create powerful stories about our planet and its natural resources. 
today, we're happy to welcome Ryland Engelhart, co-founder and executive director of Kiss the Ground, an education and advocacy nonprofit teaching people about the possibilities of regenerative agriculture. He is the producer of a documentary film of the same name, which explores how responsible use of our soil could reverse the rise in global temperatures, improve our health, and bring us back into a balanced relationship with the land we live on. We spoke with Ryland about why the story of regenerative agriculture has received relatively little attention, the challenges of telling a story through film, and the future of the Kiss the Ground story. So uh, your latest project, Kiss the Ground, we'll be talking about that in a moment. Before we do, though, just to set the scene a little bit, the phrase kiss the ground, if I'm drawing these lines correctly, comes from a Rumi poem that you've quoted in a number of places. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. My, my son is named Rumi, um, and definitely the, uh, the poetry that speaks most to my heart is Rumi. And, uh, and that is part of Kiss the Ground is part of a, uh, a longer Rumi quote, but most people, including me, usually just caption the small kind of frame that's a piece of the poem, which says, uh, let the beauty we love be all that we do. There's hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. What is it about Rumi that speaks to you? What draws you to him and his poetry? The, 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 miracle, of, um, the miracle of communication uh, that speaks to the human experience from 700 years ago still is so relevant and so like it's, it's so alive and, and, and connected to the human experience of sort of the insanity, the, um, the mystery, uh, the beauty, uh, the majesty, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the humans, humans' continual inquiry and continual exploration into, um, you know, where we come from, who we belong to, what does it all mean to be here? And I just, Rumi is, to me, one of the best examples of that. And so I was grateful to use that line and that term as the uh, arrowhead for the organization um, that was about having people fall back in love with um, the earth and our soil and that by doing so that we could heal ourselves, our planet, our food, our relationships. And so that was my big foolish project was to um, kiss yeah. the room, which is another, which is another roomy poem, start some big foolish project like Noah, uh, Noah's Ark kiss the ground is uh our big foolish project yeah um, tell tell me about your big foolish project tell me about kiss the ground the org and tell me about kiss the ground the movie what's it all about kiss the ground really has four main programs that we deliver on is that we provide educational scholarships and grants to farmers that are wanting to go to regenerative ag um, we have educational courses that allow sort of the activist or the homeowner or the regular everyday person to participate in uh, the regenerative movement. 
those are courses, whether it's soil advocacy or regenerative gardening courses. We create media content um, that really, you know, kind of excites and awakens uh, stories that make a difference and um, have impact. And, um, and then the fourth, how do we work and use our uh, tools of education and communication to um, build um, political will and to change policy so that regenerative agriculture can become more of um, a mainstream practice um, here in America and beyond. It's about reminding, it's about reminding us that we come and that we are for and from the earth and our inherent uh, existence depends on a web of interconnected life um, starting you know with uh, the biology of soil and the alchemy of plants and sun and water uh, stemming from for me a, a big realization around uh, how carbon um, cycles between the um, you know, the, the, the atmosphere, um, the, 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 the biosphere and the soil sphere, um, and that there's this cycle of life, this interconnection between, uh, that, that photosynthesis really is the driving process of, and, um, that all of life owes its, 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 uh, its homage to, that we're a part of that life and a part of that process and cycle. And so Kiss the Ground is an organization designed and we're an education advocacy nonprofit to awaken people to the possibilities of regeneration. Uh, we got turned on by the single idea, the notion that human beings could be beneficial organisms on the planet and actually heal and regenerate the damage that we've done not just to sustain life, but to actually rebuild and regenerate uh, biodiversity um, and resilience and health, um, you know, through the web of life based on our care stewardship and, you know, on, on, a, big, on a big sort of primary focus, the way we manage land um, and do agriculture, because that's the biggest impact that we have on the earth, the soil, the crust of um, Mother Earth is the way we manage land through agriculture. Obviously, you can see this very clearly if you drive or you fly over the country and the majority of the country is just chopped up into little green squares, uh, most of which are green squares growing, you know, um, corn and soy, mostly in the middle of the country. Uh, but uh, that, yeah, agriculture is arguably the most destructive one of the most destructive systems on the planet um, and could be the one system that has the ability to rebuild, regenerate and heal um, because it, it's about managing uh, living systems and can we manage them in a way where they become healthy over time versus unhealthy, you know, uh, less healthy over time. And so um, that was a long way to say we um, are an education and advocacy nonprofit um, designed to um, awaken people to the possibilities of regeneration 
through storytelling, through workshops, through uh, content creation, through infographics, through um, classes, curriculums, um, and through um, movies and um, short form content similar to the story of stuff, um, which is a kind of paid homage tribute back to the uh, original creation of Kiss the Ground was inspired by the story of stuff, <laughs> um, which was produced by Free Range Media, which is sort of a predecessor to this re-launching um, of this podcast. So grateful to be part of the succession of your legacy. Well, we're really glad to hear that it played a part in it because it really, it's a very good film that you guys have put together and it does a very good job of clearly and in a very compelling way telling the story around uh the carbon cycle carbon sequestration this idea that we could trap enormous amounts of uh greenhouse gases in the soil in a perfectly natural and healthy way also known as drawdown uh this the film also touches on the fact that that entire story really big and beneficial as it seems is very overshadowed by the story of carbon emissions everybody knows that our cars put uh, greenhouse gases into the atmosphere large herds of cattle and feedlots do the same not as many people know about uh, the fact that we could potentially reverse the global increase in temperature if enough of the earth's surface is put under regenerative agriculture. Why do you think that that is the case? Why is the one story so much more well-known than the other? I think the, the, the complexity of managing soil and ecology, it's a, it's a, much, it's a much more difficult task because um, it's not just a on and off switch. Like, you know, we can reduce emissions or we can, you know, come up with alternative energies, um, which are all essential. Um, but to manage uh, behavior and management over, you know, millions and millions of plots of land um, in a cohesive way um, is very difficult. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing is that the science, you know, money, money pays for scientific research so when there's a, a big something to gain from you know a, a scientific study being conducted it gets paid for and you know conducted quickly and because there's a lot of money to be gained so and so it's the same if, if there's not a lot of it's like hey let's create an agricultural system that doesn't depend on you know the agribusiness um which is you know one of one of the bigger conglomerate you know um industries um you know our food relevant to everyone and so to um try to get that whole system excited about a system that doesn't rely on you know chemical and synthetic and manufactured inputs um, you know, that are mostly, you know, fossil fuel driven, uh, you know, there, there's, it's just, it doesn't have a great 
um, you know, economic, you know, the, the, the economic opportunity is not, is not driving the tests and the, and the, and the studies, which, you know, give the confidence um, for people to go in this direction. What was the biggest challenge that you faced in putting together the Kiss the Ground movie and how did you overcome it? You know, it, 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 it took about $3 million to make uh, over seven years. Um, so I would say one of the big challenges was how to um, keep motivated and energized and sort of feeling that there's progress um, when we kind of would, you know, again, Josh and Rebecca, Big Picture Ranch as the filmmakers and Kiss the Ground being kind of a supporting uh, guide and, and, and kind of input of, you know, ideas, content, direction, um, you know, some of the characters to film. Um, but the, uh, yeah, just the, the, the difficulty of staying motivated, energized, and inspired after so many different renditions of the film, um, so many sort of attempts at um, getting it into a festival and getting turned down and, you know, having so many people, you know, it was really truly a, a, a community effort of hundreds of people participating um, and, you know, even financing, you know, putting small chunks of money in here and there and, you know, to, to, to get people to support then giving people roles of sort of executive producers and then trying to get everyone's alignment on the direction and what it was missing and what it needed. And, um, you know, there was times when it felt like the project was dead in the water. And so just uh, how to get re-energized enough to bring in, you know, more capital to sort of get us over the next hump of um, a re-edit or a, a, um, you know, we multiple different people doing, you know, voiceovers and um, was that the right choice? Did that work? Now that film has changed, we need a new voiceover. Um, so just the seven years of um, pushing something forward and yeah, staying motivated and um, connected to the why um, and connected to the filmmakers and, you know, um, energetically, you know, getting back on the horse again and again and again to bring it to fruition. And, uh, you know, it was definitely uh, a pretty, a, a big, a big lift. And many times felt like it was maybe not going to happen. Um, but again, I'd say community we had engaged and enrolled so many people in the possibility of what it could be that when we or me, I'll speak for myself, um, you know, would kind of be um, apathetic about, you know, wh where it was and if it was going to turn into something that was meaningful and, um, you know, make a difference, uh, you know, hearing from someone being reminded in community when you're sort of depressed, apathetic and kind of over it. And then, you know, someone kind of drawing that possibility back to the surface um, that ignites that next kind of step. 
um, and next opportunity that you know leads to you know the progression of where it where it you know emerged. But it was, I mean, we we had we had gotten into you know we had tried for Sundance a couple years, didn't get in there, and then got into Tribeca, and then COVID happened, and that got canceled, and then um, you know we were still looking for distribution, and um, you know finally you know in we 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 through all different kind of miraculous um you know going through many doors uh many knocking on many doors to you know end up having that happen um yeah it really it felt like a um a real at the end divine orchestration of um you know it was it, it there there was many times we were thinking like oh this is uh this isn't uh you know is this ever going to come out and in turn it came out at the perfect time and really had a you know i'd say a, a lightning in a bottle success of a documentary not i don't know documentaries just seem to have such a challenging time to get traction and actually get a lot of views and um be seen by a lot of people that are, you know, connected to the industry or the topic that the film is touching on. And it felt like this film really um, cascaded through the consciousness of, um, you know, many worlds, but specifically food and agriculture. So it felt really like a amazing experience to see it come to fruition. So just a fun one here. You've become a film producer in the last couple of decades, but your roots are in the restaurant world, in the food world. How do you use your experience and skills as a restaurateur to tell stories, and in particular, the story of regenerative agriculture? Yeah, I, I think my, my greatest skill is probably in human... Um, emotional intelligence and human connection and um, sharing uh, and emoting uh, stories and ideas in ways where people feel connected and included in a part of that story and um, are inspired by that story. And I think, you know, within my role at Cafe Gratitude, which was really about inspiring and educating people on human health and um, you know the importance of good, clean food and uh, nutrient-dense plant-based food, um, and understanding where our food comes from, and that's important. And uh, you know all the different uh, medicinal qualities of food. I I became somewhat of a a tableside minister uh, or orator <laughs> or um, uh, you know. My, my, my joy was exciting people with new ideas and new possibilities of um, food and wellness and, uh, and, and, and even, you know, sort of the philosophy of gratitude and being grateful um, and, uh, and, and acknowledging people and seeing people and, uh, and, and having people feel um, loved and connected to in ways and served in ways that are uncommon in your sort of ordinary, um, you know, service or dining experience. And so uh, I, 
it, it really has been my excitement around communication, uh, transformation through sharing love and information um, that excites people to participate and to embody and to um, you know shift their views and the trajectory of their lives and you know what 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 they value based on being able to infuse a moment with love and presence and um, and and information that excites and delights and hopefully uh, transforms um, a micro moment, but ultimately that that becomes a a seed in the consciousness that turns into a shift in um, in their lives for the better and getting to be able to participate in the um, sowing of seeds in consciousness around good food and gratitude and regeneration has always been um, and continues to be the thing that I love to do. What's next for the Kiss the Ground movement? What upcoming project are you most excited about? So you know, I'll just speak on, you know, starting with Josh and Rebecca, the filmmakers, they've, um, they've been, um, they're working on two new films, one called Common, Common Ground. Um, hope they're okay with me saying that. Um, <laughs> Common Ground and Groundswell um, are two kind of sequel and, 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 and trilogy kind of coming off of Kiss the Ground. Um, and, and then, um, and so that, you know, those are, those are like, well, you know, one is well on its way, but they're, they're like in full production, probably due to be out a film, you know, maybe end of this year, early 2023. Um, and then Kiss the Ground, the organization has really um, honed our focus in on uh, a big, uh, audacious campaign and coalition called Regenerate America. Soil is our common ground. Um, and so we're building a coalition of um, organizations, farming groups, NGOs, um, you know, food brands, uh, influencers, thought leaders to really bring uh, under one big broad tent uh, the awareness and education of soil health, regenerative agriculture as it relates to, you know, how it, you know, cascades into our human health coming out of a pandemic. Uh, you know, we're a sick country and we need to get healthier and, uh, you know, health starts in the soil and on our farms and in our food. And so that, uh, you know, bringing the awareness of that and then also connecting to a resilient um, and healthy environment um, and a healthy climate um, and the importance of the solution of uh, regenerative agriculture in relationship to that. So we're, we're looking at building um, a series of content, um, a big coalition, a big grassroots effort to have the, the general public really engaged and inspired about uh, that the Farm Bill is a moment of transformation um, that we could all rally behind and that there's a real beautiful future uh, that we could see um, through the lens of and the possibility of regenerative agriculture and how the Farm Bill really does dictate um, a lot of how our food system is shaped and set up and that, you know, that it's, you know, billions, $480 billion of 
taxpayers' money um, that gets allocated into 80%, um, you know, our nutrition supplemental program, SNAP, food stamp um, programs, um, you know, feeding those that are most food insecure in America, um, and about 20% to um, ag-related policies and seeing if we can, um, yeah, shift some of the policies um, that are in the 12 titles of the Farm Bill that support soil health and the scale and the growth of regenerative agriculture. And really, can we make this, um, can we tell this message and tell this story in a, a bipartisan way, in a way that has people um, being able to see a unified uh, opportunity to work together in um, you know a healthy um, you know the, 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 there's a, a FDR quote that says a nation that destroys their soil destroys themselves and we've said that a nation that rebuilds their soil rebuilds themselves and you know can we have a, uh, a uniting around um, this common ground issue of soil and uh, food and human health and environmental health and um, you know, what's very easier said than done, but um, we're in the earlier, early stages, but also have some great momentum around this campaign and are looking to launch it publicly um, in somewhere between either uh, late March and early May, um, going all the way from there to uh, the rewriting and the, the, the updating of the 2023 Farm Bill. You talk about love a lot in your interviews and articles. How do you define love and what role does it play in your storytelling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, start, it really is the story that I'm most passionate about. And love feels like the essence of the human spirit. And it is the soul's purpose. Um, to express love and there's lots of things in the way of that expressing um, but I think the the most beautiful um, courageous and inspiring stories and um, is, is, is human beings uh, in service to love beyond even their own self, even their own, um, you know, self-preservation. Um, you know, love includes sacrifice um, and giving something up for a greater, um, a greater good, a greater service. Um, but I think everyone's had experiences, um, glimmers of moments where they were expressing love in a way that was unconditional and was uh, was the, the, the joy of giving and being that presence of love was the reward and there was nothing uh, there was nothing else that they wanted and in that there was nothing else that they um, there was nothing else needed there was there was nothing lacking there was a, a complete experience. There was a, a moment of fulfillment. I think Rumi's poetry, back to the beginning, mm -hmm. um, oftentimes spoke to the, the mystery of this presence of love. 
and um, yeah, Kiss the Ground has been created to uh, awaken and remind us uh, of that love and to express that love um, to each other and to our earth um, as the place that we come from and gives us life. That is superb. All right, Ryland, thank you so much for joining us on the Free Ranger here today. I've loved learning about your projects and I'm excited to see where everything is going. Right on, Miles. In the aftermath of Black Sunday, Congress passed the Soil Conservation Act, establishing education programs and incentives to help Great Plains farmers rescue their soil from decades of overtilling. These efforts healed much of the harm done by intensive agriculture in the early 20th century. But with temperatures rising around the globe, and much of our food system still dependent on industrialized growing techniques, soil erosion remains an under-discussed, but still present, threat. As Ryland pointed out, the story of our soil is big and complex, but finding compelling ways to tell that story is the first step toward a truly sustainable food system, one that could wind up saving our planet. This has been The Free Ranger. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with someone else who'd like it too. The Free Ranger is a production of Free Range Studios, a storytelling and innovation agency helping mission-driven organizations promote social good. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at freerange.com.